Let's take a few minutes for this part of the show and talk about our friends, the birds. Someone recently approached me and says, well, if we start feeding our birds, especially even year-round, which I do, birds will rely on us for us to feed them. Current studies find out that that's just really not true. Now, feeding birds isn't all good or all bad, but this particular research at least should alleviate the fear that they're actually becoming dependent on us. So the people that really love the birds, it's kind of a quandary of them as bird lovers, feed or not to feed. If you feed the birds, will that make them so dependent on human help that they won't forage elsewhere? was a really legitimate question. A new study finds that although songbirds will regularly visit your feeders, they're very unlikely to develop an unhealthy reliance on them, even when you think they might even need them more. The study by Arthur Jim Rivers, who's an assistant professor of wildlife ecology in Oregon State University's College of Forestry, has been interested in birds since he filled the feeders in his backyard growing up as a kid many, many years ago. As a kid, I remember the adage of always making sure your feeders are filled and particularly make sure that they do that before birds might be going through some energetically challenging weather conditions like a big storm coming or particularly cold weather. Now, as a researcher, Rivers started really looking into it. There was one earlier study way back in 1992 where researchers just took feeders away and monitored the survival of the birds. They found that the birds weren't dependent on human help one way or the other. This time around, Rivers wanted to look at a more challenging set of circumstances. So for the study, he and his colleagues chose to use the black-capped chickadee, a bird that if any of are you a bird watcher? Certainly know what it is. It's a little small bird found out all, almost through the whole country, all through North America. The birds will often take just one seed from the feeder at each visit, which makes it kind of easy to measure how often they were visiting. These researchers caught about 67 birds and either left them alone or as a control group or clipped some of their feathers. Clipping is a way to increase the energy birds spend while flying. In some of the birds, they did a light clipping, removing just a feather or two. Others, they performed a little bit heavier clipping, making the birds a bit more dependent on a food source. They also tagged each bird with a tracking chip before releasing them. And the chips, of course, were unique to each and every bird, so they could track each bird individually. The researchers placed 21 feeders around their study area with perches that worked as antennas, so they could communicate and find out where the birds were. Each time the birds landed, they scanned in and the visits were recorded. Their feelings were that they thought the birds, because of the increased energy they needed, would come to the feeders and spend a lot more time there. But that's not what they found out at all. Instead, the handicapped birds took a bit of a break, several days to a few weeks even, before returning to the feeders. Then they used the feeders at the same or almost exactly the similar level as the control birds did that had not been clipped. So it was a surprise to those because they thought the birds would have the reaction of, ooh, it's free food, and they know where it is, so they thought they would just come back and use them at greater levels afterward. But instead, they saw essentially no real strong response difference either way. Because the trackers didn't cover the birds except when they're at the feeders, the researchers aren't exactly sure where or when they were taking their breaks immediately after their wings were clipped. 
They think the birds avoided feeders while they got used to their feather changes and a, and a new way of flying. They were likely relying more on natural foods and possibly seeds. They'd stashed away sooner, which chickadees are known to do. And then once they felt more comfortable, they came back to the feeders. So in general, the study did show that though they enjoy our feeders, it's fun to have them come and go. They certainly don't rely on them as a sole source of food, only a sort of a supplement. So what about bird feeding pros and cons? Around 59 million Americans feed birds. That's according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. There are real benefits to filling the feeder for the birds. They get easy-to-find reliable food, particularly in winter, when it can be difficult to find a meal sometimes. Studies have found that the winter survival is longer for birds in areas where they are fed regularly, and more offspring might be produced in the subsequent breeding season. There's also a real benefit to us as people. We as humans have a much better appreciation of wildlife when we get to see it up close. We get to feel like we know them. That's what we, anyway, that's the way I feel. Although my daughter's not with me now, we've all met, well, she's gotten a little older, okay? We always had a couple of feeders in the backyard, and it's a great opportunity, especially for you kids to appreciate the diversity of species that we have. I mean, for instance, we had finches, chickadees, hatches, one that everybody dislikes but me, blue jays. And so I think that a lot of people, that that is their connection to nature. There are places where you can still feed birds, although you don't have to have a lot of natural habitat. Maybe to come to a, when I lived in an apartment, to the back porch. But there's also some drawbacks to think about. Diseases and parasites can be transmitted more easily where birds congregate in a central area like a feeder. A recent, really kind of mysterious illness, for example, has been blinding and killing birds in several states in, in this part of the country. Wildlife officials have asked residents to take down feeders until they know the cause of the outbreak. Feeders can also make it easier for predators like hawks and especially house cats. In, in urban areas to find an easy meal. So feeding isn't inherently good or bad, but it does have its pros and cons. I think the study allows us to say that it's that concern that I had as a kid that if I didn't go get my seeds out before the big storm that the birds would be in trouble. I think we can say that's probably not what's going on, at least based on the species that were studied in this particular study. We're not going to be harming the birds, and the birds aren't going to starve to death or have big issues just because we didn't get to fill the feeder that day. Before we were here, these birds would have had to evolve with these different settings, and they get through winter periods, and they get through storms on their own. So you know many were providing supplemental food, but it's not the point where we are changing their ranges or changing their behaviors as far as he could find out. One caveat, he says, is that researchers believe that there are some species that may have changed their ranges due to feeders because it was easier for them to stretch their ranges a little bit more to the extreme. He did say one bird that came to mind to him was Anna's hummingbird. It's one that they have there in Oregon in the wintertime and probably isn't a bird that would have typically wintered there and is probably relying to some degree for sure on winter feeding as well as some of the plants that we've put outside 
whether they're natural there or not, but to have a can live in more uh, extreme weather than the native plants did before we were helping to plant the area. By and large, most birds that people feed are those that already always have natural food sources. I don't think people should be afraid or worried about feeders, particularly for the feeder dependency issue, but they also want to follow the kind of best practices so that when we are feeding, we're not promoting disease or negative impacts of normal feeding periods. I would add this to his article, to this this article. Do be a little bit more concerned about where you put your feeders. I did a report several years back that got me a little bit of hot water with cat levels. I came across a study in Florida back then, which is much greater now, that they had an estimate 25 million cats out on any one day in the state of Florida. 25 million cats killing many millions of birds, lizards, snakes, bugs. Uh, The feral cat are not from here. The cats were introduced, and the number of the species that I guess they've learned to at least have some respect for it, they really didn't have a true predator about the size of a house cat. We we just didn't have any. And uh, so a number of the birds have had a heck of a time evolving uh, to an animal that they they just don't really have a natural fear for. I likened it, incidentally, to deer we keep running over. I always thought when I was a kid that wouldn't the deer that all got hit finally only the ones that were bright enough (laughs) to avoid being hit by cars will be making the next generation? But so far that hasn't been true. What we did find out in the study that's interesting is at certain speed levels, most of which us, us aren't willing to do, they, underst- they, they seem to find in the studies it was about 22 miles an hour or less. The, the deer seem to have been able to judge and realize and get out of the way. But once it gets beyond that, they just don't have natural predators that exceed 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. They don't comprehend that they're not, a, they're not able to run, outrun, dodge something at that speed. They've just not evolved to do that. So that kind of made sense to me, and I think it kind of indirectly relates to the idea of feral cats and outdoor living. I, I personally have a cat. Actually, I don't have him right now, but my, my ex-partner did. And out once in a while, but basically most of the time, if not all the time, under supervision, he still, especially when he was younger, managed to get one or two birds, so we had to alter the way we were releasing him and letting him out. But think about that times 25 million cats in Florida, or they claim nationwide well over 100 million And by feral, this is the other thing they found out. Even though you well feed your cat, when we think of feral, I always think of these things nobody ever feeds out in the barn. No. Your house cat has such an instinct. He can be well fed all day, and if he gets a chance, and and, and he still has the predator-prey concept of life. So he's still out there hunting what ordinarily would be wild animals that a predator running around in the daytime just didn't do uh, in this part of the world until we decided to bring the feral cat in. So no, I'm not a cat hater. In fact, I like cats. But it's like every other animal. It's got to be a right animal in the right place at the right time. So anyway, enjoy feeding your birds. 
enjoy, if you've got a cat, just, just be more aware of it. Put these feeders in an open area where the cat can't sneak up right under it. Same with hawks. If there's a place, no, nothing real close by where the hawks can actually sit and come down in a short notice, then the birds are probably uh, much safer than if you put it in a little secure place where a hawk can be sitting 10 feet away when the birds show up. So anyway, that's sort of our nature nerd part of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Organic Matters. <laughs>